So every day I get up, you know, I run eight miles. <laughs> okay, that's not true. Actually, I run 10 miles, but I don't count the first two because I'm running with a jump rope. So oh, oh. anyway, then I lift uh, weights for about an hour and a half. And uh, boy, I work up a powerful sweat. That's why athletes like me use sweat block. <laughs> also, I hear it's good for big, fat, sweaty people okay. <laughs> and teenagers. If you have a problem with sweat, uh, this is the best deodorant antiperspirant I've ever used. This is really good. Sweatblock, you can find it on Amazon, or you can save 20% on Sweatblock with the promo code BECK. By the way, if you if you really have a problem, these are wipes that you put under each arm uh, at night. You go to bed, you get up, take a shower, and you don't have to put any antiperspirant on or anything for seven days. Strong. Yes, yes, strong enough for a man, but I like it too. Sweatblock, available at Amazon or sweatblock.com, promo code BECK, save Welcome to the Glenbeck program. It is Good Friday, the beginning of Passover and Easter weekend. We've been doing a, uh, a series on America's God all week. We're going to finish it up here in the next couple of minutes. And I, I really want to just focus on one thing, the turnaround of the Civil War, a proclamation by Abraham Lincoln that went through the Senate. And not only can I can I tell you that this would never go through the Senate now, I can tell you with 100% assurity it wouldn't because I've asked the Senate to pass this procl- proclamation. They wouldn't even submit it. I'll give it to you in 60 seconds. So if you're going to put forth the effort to take care of your skin and look younger, you might as well use the best stuff, right? And if it's on sale, even better. Well, that's exactly what's going on right now with GenuCell's new Ultra Retinol Cream. It's the best skincare technology. It hydrates your skin at a cellular level and builds on top of uh, the deep moisture with incredible anti-wrinkle effects. And it sounds, you know, it might be, you might be thinking, eh, it sounds uh, great. I don't know if I buy all these claims, though. Well, here's the thing. You can get your money back if you're not completely satisfied. Um, and uh, they're not going to disappoint you. We're talking about 50% off right now at GenuCell.com slash Beck. 50% off the brand new Ultra Retinol Cream. If you go to GenuCell.com slash Beck for up to 50% off the brand new cream, you'll also get GenuCell's immediate effects for results in 12 hours or less. Free with your order. Go to GenuCell.com slash Beck. G-E-N-U-C-E-L.com slash Beck. 
They have the free express shipping going on, free returns, great customer service, and a 100% money-back satisfaction guarantee. Go to GenuCell.com slash Beck. It's G-E-N-U-C-E-L dot com slash Beck. So halfway through the Civil War, we were losing badly. And Abraham Lincoln had a great awakening in himself. And a proclamation was passed by the U.S. Senate. I want to read it to you and tell me it doesn't fit our situation today. A proclamation by His Excellency Abraham Lincoln, President of the United States, for a day of humiliation, fasting, and prayer. Whereas the Senate of the United States, devoutly recognizing the supreme authority and just government of Almighty God in all of the affairs of men and nations, has by resolution requested the president to designate and set apart a day for national prayer and humiliation. And whereas it is the duty of nations, as well as of men, to own their dependence upon the overruling power of God, to confess their sins and their transgressions in humble sorrow, yet with assured hope that genuine repentance will lead to mercy and pardon, and to recognize the sublime truths announced in the Holy Scriptures and proven by all history that those nations only are blessed whose God is the Lord. We have been the recipients of the choicest bounties of heaven. But we have forgotten God. We have forgotten the gracious hand which preserved us in peace, multiplied and enriched and strengthened us. We have vainly imagined in our deceitfulness of our hearts that all these blessings were produced by some superior wisdom and virtue of our own intoxicated now with unbroken success. We have become too self-sufficient to feel the necessity of redeeming and preserving grace, too proud to pray to the God that made us. It behooves us then to humble ourselves before the offended power, to confess our national sins, and to pray for clemency and forgiveness. Abraham Lincoln. I asked the Senate, to pass that resolution just, what, two months into COVID, they wouldn't do it. Today, words like humiliation and repentance are completely misunderstood. For some, they're associated with shame, guilt, fire, brimstone, and for others, it's just a get-out-of-jail-free card on your way back to doing whatever it is you want at the strip club. But it is neither one of those things. In Hebrew, the word for repentance is teshuva, which literally means to turn. It's about changing what you do, just as much as it is about the condition of your heart. When we repent, we turn around and start over in the other direction, the right direction. And that's not easy. I mean, it takes incredible faith to humble yourself and turn and start walking in a different direction. It's not easy, but it's possible. At the beginning of the series, I started it by talking about what was happening in France at the revolution, but 
Now, let me take you to the other example where it went wrong, where people said God is dead and filled that void with something else. And it was Nazi Germany. No matter what you read or what you hear, the left has distorted the Nazis. Hitler was not a Christian, but he knew he couldn't take out the Christian church head on. So what did he do? They infiltrated from the inside, eroding its values and its relevance from within. Over an afternoon lunch in his headquarters in 1942, Hitler said, and I quote, I do not care in the slightest about the articles of faith. The organized lie has to be broken in such a way the state becomes the master. You can't rush things. It has to rot away like a gangrenous limb. We need to we need to get to the point where only idiots stand behind the pulpits and only old women sit in front of it. And the healthy youth are with us. End quote. Hitler expected Christianity to slowly suffocate and die under the duress of the state and in its own inaction and irrelevance. But in the meantime, he would use that institution to spread his propaganda. It took him about six months before they took the picture of Jesus off of the altars in Germany and replaced the savior with the new savior, Hitler. Unfortunately, they spread it, mostly thanks to the movement called the German Christians. Under the influence of the German Christians, the church went to work right away to rinse that Jew right out of Jesus' hair. Spread the good news of Hitler. German pastor Hermann Grunner preached, Hitler is the way of the spirit and the will of God for the German people to enter the church of Christ. What's truly shocking is that the German Christians were at work in the church before Hitler took power. They were priming the congregations by slowly shifting the focus away from God and the Bible and creating a new Aryan God. German Christians insisted that loyalty to the Nazi agenda was at its core Christian and a matter of faith. Hard to imagine that everyone behind the pulpit or sitting in the pews agreed with this, but so many said nothing. Miraculously, some did finally break their silence. It was Martin Niemöller. He sat back, actually, as Hitler installed his dictatorship. He didn't intervene until the German Christians started to Aryanize the Bible and purge the Bible of all Jewish elements, including the entire Old Testament. See if this sounds familiar. They were reimagining the Bible. They were reimagining Jesus. He became a blonde-haired, blue-eyed, anti-Semitic Aryan. This is when Niemöller had enough. He helped organize a movement called the Confessing Church, which challenged the German Christians and insisted that Nazism not make demands of the church itself. Although Niemöller was primarily focused on Nazi intrusion into the church, other prominent leaders of the movement called for the followers to challenge Nazism on every front. One of those guys was a man named Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Bonhoeffer was the guy who diagnosed the German church and said they suffered from a theology of cheap grace. 
They wanted redemption, but not really repentance. They wanted to live in any way they wanted and wear the covering of God like a cheap rain poncho. Then the Third Reich collapsed and the gods of the copybook headings returned. And the church had no idea how to pick up the pieces. The rest of the story in a minute. Joy wrote in about her experience with Relief Factor. She says, Relief Factor is absolutely wonderful. I'm able to sleep through the night pain-free. It's everything, Glenn, you say it is. I've had severe neuropathy for several years, as well as a hip that was broken. I feel like a new woman now. I enjoy the freedom from the pain. Thank you. And thanks also to my son, who finally talked me into getting it. All right, if you really want relief, if you've tried everything else, will you just try this for three weeks? 1995, it'll give you, it's a dollar a day. It will give you uh, three pills a day, or actually, I think it's 12 pills a day. Um, and you just take one packet, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And I'm telling you, it worked for me. And about 70% of the people who try this trial pack for three weeks go on to order more month after month. So just try it. 800 for relief 800 the number four relief 1995 relieffactor.com make sure you call them or go to the website 1-800 the number four relief relieffactor.com feel the difference 10 seconds station id reconstruction quickly turned punitive towards Germany. Life for the Germans under Hitler was hell. But the hell continued after his failure. The German people had been the victims of unprecedented psychological capture. And for those who woke up, they were not only left with the collapse of their nation, but they were shouldering the most unbearable guilt. The international church leaders had a decision to make. Would they ostracize the Germans as their political counterparts had. Should the people of God handle these obscene circumstances the same way or differently? The church, like every German, needed a new start. So the believers did the only thing they knew would work. After the Third Reich collapsed, the gathering of Christians took place October 19, 1941 in Stuttgart, Germany. At the gathering, Bonhoeffer was praised for his unwavering faith. He wasn't there. He had just months before been executed in a concentration camp. Pastor Niemöller preached that the Nazis alone were not to blame, but the church itself, not because they were Christian, but because they had abandoned their Christianity. Would the Nazis have been able to do what they had done if church members had truly been faithful Christians? From this event sprang forth the Stuttgart Declaration of Guilt on behalf of the church. And here's what it said. With great pain, we say, by us, infinite wrong was brought over many peoples and countries. We did fight for long years in the name of Jesus Christ against the mentality that found its awful expression in the national socialist regime of violence. But... We accuse ourselves for not standing to our beliefs more courageously, for not praying more faithfully, for not believing more joyously, and for not loving more ardently. 
Following the collapse of Hitler's regime, the faithful Germans professed that they had failed as a body of believers. Their failure. Their failure was. Was extraordinary. But not so much because this happens time and time again. We all fail on extreme levels more than we care to face. But what was extraordinary was their ability to look at their failure in the face and choose to change. They just did it too late. The Christians of Germany were called to repent on their knees and miraculously some answered that call. Here's why I wanted to end this series with this. Right now, we have bastardized our faiths. Our faiths are silent. Some have been infiltrated by wokeness. As we told you yesterday, wokeness is a cult. It is a religious movement to a false god. A God that puts you at the center of the universe, but the universe is meaningless. Your truth, not the truth, your truth, but that truth is worth nothing. Are we going to go down in history as a group of people that failed to see the answers, even though it was staring them in the face? Are we really prepared to write our declaration of guilt in the future? We should start preparing for it now. People of God, do you want to have to apologize for watching evil rise in our nations all across the world and say nothing? Religious leaders, can you continue to be silent as God and goodness is attacked from all angles? Is your job really? Is that really what you worship? Or will you do the things that Niemöller did or the things that Bonhoeffer did? America, have we hit rock bottom yet? Please tell me we have. I'm an alcoholic and my mother, my mother committed suicide. She was also an alcoholic, addicted to prescription drugs as well. Her bottom was death. And you can't stop anybody from, I mean, if you're suicidal and that's your bottom and you're hooked on drugs or whatever, and that's your bottom, nobody can stop you. But I hope our bottom is not that. Are we there yet? Because this isn't working and everybody knows what we're doing right now is not working Conservatives are supposed to conserve the best ideas from the past. Not all of it, just the best parts. Have we done that? If we continue on this path of least resistance, of non-action, I shudder to think what our letter of apology will sound like. I wrote one just to have it handy. I apologize for standing by why millions of unborn babies are slaughtered. I said nothing when activists tried to resegregate our nation. I even helped sometimes. 
Israel was slandered and attacked and I ignored it. I didn't protest when my church was shut down, but the liquor store was allowed to open. I was apathetic to the government trampling on my congregation's rights. I couldn't really be bothered to comment as young people permanently mutilated themselves after being told that they were born in the wrong body. I outwardly participated in every destructive social movement to protect myself. I leaned on my own understanding. I acted in my own self-interest. I did what everybody else was doing. I didn't have the faith to resist. I lacked the spiritual, spiritual countenance. And because of my inaction, the body of God became crippled. The people lived without love and died without hope. I was not part of the Calvary when it finally came. I apologize, and may God forgive me. I don't want to ever, ever have to say those words and mean them. Maybe you should write yours today. And then do what Abraham Lincoln said. Become humble. Know who the real power comes from. Repent. Because that's what Easter is all about. This is the most holy holiday of all holidays for Christians. It's not Christmas. Great, the baby was born. Prophecy fulfilled. That's great. But what he did 33 years later, in giving us the opportunity to begin again, but we as an individual, we as a country cannot begin again unless we are humbled and have hit our bottom and say, I surrender. My way has not been the right way. I tell you now, the kingdom of God is at hand. In the end, we all have the right, the privilege and the responsibility to choose our own path. There's not going to be a single person left on the sidelines. As Bonhoeffer said back then, not to speak is to speak. Not to choose is to choose. And as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. More in a minute. The Glenn Beck Program. The movement to start a parallel economy has already begun in many ways. More and more as time goes on, you have the option to do business with companies that believe in what you believe and leave the competitors in the proverbial dust. Patriot Mobile is America's only Christian conservative cell phone provider, and they offer the same network coverage as the major carriers. So you get the same great service, plus the peace of mind that comes with knowing that your money is supporting things like free speech, life, liberty, all of the things that God has given to each one of us. If the government doesn't protect it, well, then we have to. And we need allies. And Patriot Mobile is that ally. They have plans to fit any budget. 100% U.S.-based customer support team. Amazing service. They share the same values and the same cell towers. 
So you get the same great coverage. Switch today. 972-PATRIOT, 972-PATRIOT, or patriotmobile.com slash Beck. Get free activation with the offer code Beck. Let's support the companies that are supporting us. Patriotmobile.com slash Beck. And head over to blazetv.com slash Glenn to get access to everything on Blaze TV. The promo code is Glenn. David Barton joins us now from Wall Builders. He obviously didn't get the memo that it's Hawaiian Shirt Day here in the studio, but welcome, David. Hey, Glenn. <laughs> um, I want to talk to you a little bit here on Good Friday and Easter weekend. We've been—I don't know if you've if you've heard the segments all week—but mm-hmm. um, we started looking at America's God. Uh, we're not. It's not that we don't have enough religion. We have more than enough religion it's just a false god it's mm-hmm. wokeness um and uh we've got a we got to change that the big problem here on uh, a great awakening is our churches are asleep do great awakenings happen when the, are they led by the church or are they led by the people it's interesting. They're led by individuals usually, and the church is usually the, the one who opposes the most. Isn't that amazing? Uh, and so, like, you take a George Woodfield. I mean, he is a minister, but he preached outside primarily first because nobody let him inside. And so he needed to preach outside later because he had 10, 20,000 in a crowd, so really? he needed something. But it, it, at the first, man, they hated him and they opposed him. And the same with Charles Finney in the Second Great Awakening, the same with Lorenzo Dow and Charles Clay and all and these other And these awakenings names. are always the first one led to the American Revolution. Uh, yeah, it led to it, and it's really kind of interesting. It gave what it really did was it gave people backbone, and they started standing for what was right. And then the other side responded and came after them. Right. And so it's not like they started anything; they just finally got some courage and, and had some convictions and stood for it. Because I think most people, and that's the problem I think with most churches, is I do not want a church to tell me who to vote for. I do want. Uh, information. I do want my church to say, look, here's what the scriptures say, which leads you to this value. How do you apply that value mm-hmm. across the board? Is this person, and you don't even have to get into the people's names, are these people following these values? Yeah, you really want the church, as you're saying right there, to help you think through things, to really give you a thinking process. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say I don't have any problem at all if the church wants to tell me who to vote for. And I do that from a constitutional standpoint because I don't want a church thinking it has less rights than the union yeah, has. Yeah, no, no, no. I'm saying uh, as my personal view is, you know, I, I just – gosh, I just don't want everything to be political. However yeah. – I do want them to do, and I'm. I want they, clarity. I want clarity and boldness from right. Them. They and, they right. preached about abortion. Yeah. They preached about. Um, I mean, most of the stuff that is in our constitution is directly from scripture mm-hmm. or directly from preachers that had made that concept popular because it is in the Bible. Well, if you take the Declaration of Independence, historians have documented that every single right set forth in the Declaration of Independence had been preached from the American pulpit by 1763. 
So 15 years before the Declaration, every right in the Declaration had already been covered in the pulpit. And that's why John Adams says, our pulpits have thundered. And he, he listed a bunch of preachers by name who were very specific on that. But you take any right in the Declaration, it was already seen as a biblical right. So is this why we feel like, the, like our churches are so empty? Oh, they are empty. Uh, it's interesting. If, if you take, and I'm speaking as a Christian, and we know lots of other faiths. Great, uh, speaking as a Christian in 19 or in the year 2000, 85 percent of Americans profess to be Christians. That's their self-identification. Last year it was 65 percent. So it's a 20 percent drop in 20 wow. years. And when you poll the people who left the church and say, "Why did you leave?" Two out of three said, because it has no relevancy. I get nothing right. that I can live with on a daily basis. Uh, and I, I totally agree with that. I mean, when I look back at what the, the pastors did in those days, and I brought in a bunch of stuff out, out of the collection. And, and these, these are all sermons. These are all sermons. Okay. And these are all sermons. And by the way, these are all sermons that were preached in times of what we would call revival, the first or the second great awakening. Okay. And what you'll find is what they connected the dots on was relevancy. And you can just almost not find a single subject that they didn't cover from the pulpit, even if it was super controversial. Yeah. And, and so, you know, if I just, I'll try to read through some of these. So uh, here's a history sermon, which I think is cool. This is a sermon about pilgrims and what the pilgrims contributed. Mm-hmm. We haven't had that. We need that since we got 1619. Uh, here's a sermon by Charles Chauncey, who's one of John Adams' favorite preachers, about the Boston Massacre. So this is in the news, and this is preached just a a couple weeks afterwards. Uh, This is called a century sermon. This is looking at the last history, what's happened in the country in the last – so we were big into history, so this is the last century. Uh, This is a sermon on the moral view of railroads. So the moral view, moral of, view railroads. of railroads. <laughs> yeah, because what, what he did is, okay, what are the biblical principles of transportation in the Bible? Let's see what the Bible says about transportation. Well, here's the new technology. How does it fit with the principles? So he goes into principles wow. of transportation and then says, Was here's it technology. for or against railroads? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, he saw very positive things that could okay, come from good, railroads. Yeah. Here's one on science, snow and vapor, which is a Bible verse out of Job. Uh, here's one on the uh, murderous bloodshed. At Lexington, this is the a sermon that was preached three years after Lexington Concord. Mm. So they're covering news stories. Here's a sermon on the opening of the Great Bridge over the Connecticut River. So here you've got architecture. Um, here is a sermon on the infirmities and comforts of old age. Now mm. everybody's got to deal with growing old, but I haven't heard a sermon on that. What, what, what do you do and where are you headed? Here's a sermon on the policy and the injustice of the slave trade and the slavery of the Africans. So we're right in the middle of cultural issues at that point in time. Uh, here's a sermon on the relation of the medical profession to the ministry, all the health care codes of the Bible. And there's a bunch of them. Uh, I mean, uh, that's why the Jews were always blamed when disease broke out. They didn't get sick. They didn't get that's sick right. because they followed the that's health right. codes of the Bible. There's a great book that came out way back in 1961 by Dr. S.I. McMillan. And he said, you know, when God gave all these health codes in the Bible, he said at the time the Egyptians and the Assyrians and the Babylonians all said, look how backward these people are. Look at their health codes. And God at the time in Exodus 15, 26, after he gave the health codes, he said, if you'll do the things that I've told you here, I'll put on you none of the diseases that I put on the Egyptians. In other words, you'll have a whole different health system than what everybody else has. And that's what they, that's what they stuck with. And so that's the kind of sermons we had was here's the Bible and health. And I haven't ever heard anything on that in mm. my lifetime. 
Uh, here's a sermon, Dr. Uh, Jonathan Mayhew. He's one of John Adams' favorite preachers, and it's the Great Fire in Boston. Anything that was in the news, they covered from the pulpit. Always yeah. gave a perspective on it. Um, here's uh, a sermon on the execution of Henry Blackburn for the murder of George Wilkinson. So a guy being executed, let's see what that's whether that's right, wrong, or indifferent. Here's a sermon on the death of General Lafayette. So if a famous person died, we looked at that. Uh, here is a sermon. Uh, let's see. Here is a sermon on the Christian patriot, so responsibilities of government. And here's a sermon on the Christian use of property. Here's a sermon on the divine right of the American government. Uh, here's one on the Atlant- transatlantic telegraph, so a sermon wow. on the lane of the transatlantic telegraph. Here's a sermon on the Civil War as seen from the pulpit. Uh, here's one on immigration and the modern immigrant. Here's- Can you imagine going to, to, going to uh, church? And hearing a sermon on AI, yeah, you know, uh, on the ethical use of AI or quantum computing or the internet that just didn't end in porn, you know what I mean? Like the railroad and things, and the bridge, and, and all the all bridge, these, all yeah. of these things. Mm-hmm. We're not, and I think this this is my biggest problem with with faith right now. Going to churches is. They're not we have in my lifetime, I have never seen a time where there are more unanswered, even unquestioned Mm -hmm. moral um, uh, quandaries. We are we are on the precipice of we don't even know how to define life and we're about to reinvent life. You know, we don't know the basic defense or stance on really huge questions mm-hmm. i've never seen this before in my life that's the way churches will become well, relevant again it's it's where we are at this point in the country because there's three hundred and eighty-four thousand churches and senior pastors in america and people like george barnett polling 500 today what we find is 72 percent do not even agree with the scriptures they, they don't even think the scriptures are valid or have any influence so how many 72 percent so what that leaves you is 107,000 pastors that say we believe the scriptures and we believe that it's relevant. So with 107,000 pastors, that's 28%, polling down with 500 a day to say, okay, do you think the Bible addresses all issues that happen around you? And depending, and we gave 14 issues, and depending on what the issue was, between, between 91 and 97% of those pastors said, yes, the Bible does address those issues. And then we said, okay, have you addressed that issue from the pulpit, or do you have any plans to address that issue? And 90% said, absolutely not. Those are political things. We don't cover that from the pulpit. But wait a minute. You just told me that was in the Scriptures, and you're not going to say what the Scriptures say. So what we find is only 2.8% of pastors a day do anything related to relevancy, applying the Scriptures to what's going on in the culture. Uh, these guys, by and large, have talked themselves into a position of silence, and the result is that you see people now with their faith is completely compartmentalized. Here's yeah. my faith on Sunday, right. but here's not my faith on Wednesday or Tuesday or yep. Thursday afternoon yep. or anything else. Yep. And so the faith is no longer relevant. You don't get this kind of relevancy anymore that we had. So, David, give me just two minutes on the impact of of just people who uh, probably have never voted before or one church getting together and saying, I want the school board, we're going to stand up. 
Can you give? I can give you a lot more than one, but I'll just take you real quickly to Yonkin's Race in Virginia. 312 churches got together last January and said, look, we, we need to have a difference. North, what Northam did, he just passed a bill that says if you try to abort a child and you don't do it and it lives, it's okay to kill it after it's born. And they gave a standing ovation for that measure, and that's just a wicked measure. I mean, that's just bad. And so 312 churches, most of them rural churches, got together and said, mm, this is not good. Let, we got an election coming in November. And so back in January, they started looking and they said, okay, let's find people who sit in our pews and our churches. And again, these weren't large churches. And let's find people who have never voted for, who haven't even registered to vote. And let's get them registered and have them vote for the first time. And they did. And they had 77,000 people out of those 312 churches who had never before voted, who voted for, wow. for Yonkin. Yonkin won by 66,000 votes. Wow. So right there, out of tens of thousands of churches in Virginia, 312 little churches did that. They didn't stop there. They said, by the way, they said, first, in First Timothy, we're told that an athlete is not crowned unless he runs according to the rules. So what are the rules? And they looked at elections, and 1,300 people from the churches got trained as election judges and election officials. Wow. They identified 5.2% of the votes cast as fraudulent. Now, you take out 5.2% fraudulent votes, and there's the election again. I mean, there's just so many things they did. So I guess the the difference is I don't ever want to be a, a church where, and I think some churches have become this on the left, where the God is the government. Right. And and I guess that's why when I say I don't want to hear, uh, you know, I don't want to hear who to vote for, or, you know, politics. I guess I just don't want my church to preach that God is is the government that we have to have the right. government to do things the church should be a restraint on government and should be yeah. and should be a way to get the people in who understand bill of rights restrains the government more freedom yeah. for people whether they believe or not david barton uh the founder of wall builders uh and you can follow him at wallbuilders.com or twitter david barton wb david as always thank you back in a second a real estate agents i know.com is a place for you to go and get a, a real estate agent that will do the best for you and your family when you're selling a house uh or, sorry. Did you change the name of your company to I Real say? Estate Agents I Know? Is that a uh, new company? Yeah, no, Is this a, have you have you released yet another real to I, compete compete with your original Real Estate Agents I Trust? You created Real Estate Agents I Know. I so want. I don't understand why would you do that? Pay, even if it was ten thousand dollars <laughs> for that domain name just to say <laughs> yes. <laughs> realestateagentsitrust.com oh. that is the place where you can go and you will get the um you'll get a referral to the people we think are the best real estate agents in your area based on you know all different kinds of stats and uh quite honestly a real do not put in <laughs> i just saw Stu. look at sarah you're gonna don't do it sarah no, you have to go to commercial when don't. you're done with this so I'm done with it. Really? And there you have it. Another example of why Glenn Beck is in the Radio Hall of Fame. <laughs> Realestateagentsitrust.com. Realestateagentsitrust.com. This is the Glenn Beck Program.
This is really a time of choosing. That's what Ronald Reagan said in the 1960s. It's a time for choosing. And it is. Uh, it's a time to decide who you are, what you believe, and what you will stand up for. Not just against, but for is more important. Uh, back in... Uh, well, back in the olden days, when we all gathered on the lawn or the, um, the mall in Washington, D.C., at the steps of Abraham Lincoln... Um, we talked to you about the Black Robe Regiment, and there is something going on now with uh, a lot of religious people. They are starting to wake up. I want you to know the National Black Robe Regiment dot com is up and uh, really has a whole bunch of information on it. You can also follow it on Facebook at National Black Robe Regiment on Facebook. They have things like COVID-19 versus religious liberty and liberty. They also have um, uh, legal resources uh, there as well, as well as a lot of those sermons, if not all of those and more uh, up on the website that David was just talking about. Know your rights as a church, uh, the Liberty Council, pastor do's and don'ts. Uh, and it is a way for pastors and, you know, it's probably going to be a lot of pastors like in the old days were kicked out of their churches. Fine. Do it. Do it. Uh, because it is important now for people to stand up for the things they truly believe. If you believe that truths are self-evident, the ones that we have always had in this country and built this country on then it's time to stand up humbly peacefully but with the strength of truth coursing through your veins back in a minute the rest of the news of the day this is the glenn back